listening tonight I got a feeling that the cards just ain't right I'm so salty, must not give in to rage And I'm wondering what those rollers will say Scarves to the left of me, cheaters to the right Here I am, gonna roll a derby tonight Gonna roll a derby tonight Gonna roll a derby tonight G'day everybody and welcome to another edition of the Hidden City Roller Derby I am Simkoff and I'm here with, as usual, the motley crew of other bowlers We have uh, Butters, how's it going? Good, good, super psyched, keen for some cards um, how How is Western Australia? It's good. We've got our, our Season 2 Store Championship finale this Sunday, so we're looking forward to that. It's going to be good. It's got all the big kits and the mats and stuff. Cool. And uh, just in time to not be able to vote by about three months. Uh, but <laughs> you're here, Tori Dori. <laughs> it's so fucking sad. <laughs> um, uh, We're doing season two tournaments over here, man. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm uh, feeling great. I just actually have played more L5R in the last day or two than I have in probably a month. So that's pretty fun. Yeah, that is, that's great to hear. Um, yeah, I, th- I feel like there is a bit of a resurgence in energy with the community as we're starting to get closer and closer to Children of the uh, Empire. It's like, as of recording, it's like a week away. So it's so, so exciting. So I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, I'm taking out that box to dinner for Valentine's Day. I'm going to make sweet love to that Children of the Empire box. <laughs> Just saying to any any of the people out there with an L5R based relationship that it is in time for a Valentine's Day gift that box just throw it out there into the ether <laughs> that is true anyone no, that is I'll not in a relationship I am available to send gifts to <laughs> if you would like to post them just... yeah if you're really into true romance poetry and stuff then that's the the gift for you for sure yeah. 1-800-BUTTERS BUTTERS Nathan is live now waiting to receive your children of the emperor 1-800 that card ain't bad Right. <laughs> yeah, so um, pretty, pretty exciting, uh, that coming up. Uh, there is a bit of an elephant in the room that we might as well get away with, uh, get over with uh, to begin with, which is uh, the OP changes. There were some changes to the way that the uh, organized play, or the, I guess the sanctioned tournament for the sad, ultra-competitive no-lifers that are in the room and, and, and listening. No doubt we are some of them, and there are probably some people in cars, on, on bicycles, maybe going for a jog. Actually, let's be real. You're probably not going for a jog, but you are. <laughs> but you're, but you're, you're at least you're at least in the car in the the Burger King car park listening to us. Um, and shout out to you if you are. Um, but those changes are happening. We need to talk about it. Everyone else has talked about it. We're going to try to not spend half an hour talking about it and try to not make it too polarizing. But I think it is important that as uh, folk in the community, we express our opinions like assholes. We've got them, and everyone um, else we're going to do now th- knows what the changes are including me who never reads the articles just the headlines so we're just going to skim the stuff and and give a we're going to do the two second abridged version (laughs) just in case you only listen to hidden city rollers and you don't read uh, the fft news in which case you're my favorite person in the world uh hi wife um (laughs) so (laughs) um so those changes very very quickly uh that two major things one is that uh 
all FFG games. So this is Keyforge, Game of Thrones, Cthulhu. I don't know what the other games are. There are some other games that aren't called Legend of the Five Rings. They are moving towards a standardized structure. So we will have uh, prime events. I think they call that prime formal, but essentially we have like continental championships, national championships, regional championships, and stores, store-based events. Um, the good thing about that is that we now have like a, I guess, a, a beacon for these people. We'll, we'll actually get into the, 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 the pros and cons in a second, but I guess the major thing is that there's like now an avenue for competitive players. And then we also have what was announced. There's going to be smaller um, little, I guess, reinforcement type packs that get sent out to stores, which are essentially for casuals. So to get the promos, uh, you just go in. You don't actually have to play a competitive tournament. You go into your local store, you play some casual games, and then you get some promos, which are going to be separate set of promos to the tournament promos that in the L5R land we've most recently seen with your Stronghold kits, Cotes, so whatnot. This is Right. The kits, right? I think FFG maybe yeah. has realized yeah. that everyone's got about twenty-seven um, playmats by now, and so they can reduce the cost of the kits for the for the stores, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. So the other major change that has happened, um, which has caused much consternation in the community, one might say, is that we now have the challenge: is that for qualifying for worlds. Worlds has qualification associated with it now. It never used to. Well, and when I say it never used to, there's been two worlds so far, and both of those worlds were open events. Anybody could come to attend the World Championships. Now, the specific tournament, which is theoretically called Worlds, um, is invite only. Uh, and there's a complex set of ways that you can get invites. You can win an elemental championship. You can get like top eight in a code or top 16 or well, top eight in a national event and top 16 in a continental event. I think there's had a motos maybe get it. Um, but there's, there's a few ways of getting it. But the point is that if you're like some, you know, shit casual player who can't win a game, you know, so if you're me, then you're going to struggle to get a world's invite and you'll need to figure out a way to, to another way to get there. Yeah, you pay, uh, so you pay there are some, you know, 20 bucks to concede to you and then you get to go. Yeah. So let's, um, without further ado, the way we're going to do this, a little bit different to the other podcasts, is we're going to say, hey, Toridori, aka Bert, you're going to be our salt merchant and you're going to tell us how all of these changes are a really bad thing for the community and the worst thing that's happened uh, since uh, Watch Commander was printed. And I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> this is the and... card of the month that Simkoff has just got a raging hard on against. He just hates this card. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's 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 just it is just NPE bullshit. But I am I am going. The games aren't very eventful. When you get to <laughs> 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 you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Everyone listening, you're free to use that. <laughs> a joke that could only be told by a dad. Um, and then, uh, and I will, as the eternal optimist who has his head in the cloud and really still believes that Discouraged Pursuit is a fantastic card, <laughs> will and, and deceptive offer. Uh, I'll, I'll be the person that is cheerleading and saying how, you know what? you got to think about it from a different perspective. And you know what? There's rainbows and, and it's just fantastic. Rainbows and lollipops. All right, Bert, let's hear the song. All right. So uh, just I'll just preface this with, it's been about a week since this news landed. And we did record last week and someone fucked up the recording. And uh, that someone was me, by the way. <laughs> and I actually recorded this rant last week when I was a little more um, heated. And I've had a week to reflect on things. Um, so I'll give you the, uh, the toned down version of what I did say. My, my big thing is that I struggled to see the benefits in the decision. 
Um, I think first of all, the game is too small to have an invite only system, in my opinion. Um, and then presumably the benefits are supposed to be that the event is more competitive somehow. And I'm not sure that this is actually going to end up being the result of the decision because there are going to be some very, very competitive players who otherwise would be attending who can't attend. People who are in small regions with maybe no events that can qualify them, um, where the nearest event might be a country or two over, um, and they only have maybe time and money to go to one event internationally or nas uh, transnationally, and that would have been Worlds and, other and now isn't. And so I think we're going to have some players who don't attend. Now, the vast majority of very, very competitive players will probably still go, the ones who are going to go anyway. Um, but I just... I don't think the cut is going to be fiercer. I think what it will do is it'll make the first few rounds on average harder. So you're not going to have a game round one against a local from Minnesota who's playing for prize tickets. You're just going to have killers in every round, um, which I don't know how big of a benefit that is. Like every game, at least for me, every game was tough, but I know that most players had tough games from about round two or three onwards. Um mm. And I really just think it's a, it's a shame. You know what it does? It destroys the spirit of the, that event. And I think that if, if regardless of what other events they schedule at the Worlds, I won't be going if I don't get invited, um, period, for, for that tournament. I, I won't get, travel halfway across the world to hang out with people. I want to compete and play. And so I think it's a shame. All right. I'm going to shed some good news. The good news is that this is actually fantastic for the legends of the Five Rings community. And I'll tell you why. So a little bit of a history lesson. I did hear on some other podcast uh, that they were saying that there's never, ever been any qualification for, for the world championships or for big L5R tournaments. That's absolutely rubbish. There is a term called grinders. Those grinders uh, is not just for um, seeking companionship on a lonely Saturday night, but it's actually also for qualifying <laughs> for large tournaments. Is We did have uh, for... Uh, there have been versions of Gen Con there have been I don't know about Worlds specifically as a title but I do know that the very large L5R tournaments where big storyline decisions were uh, back in Celestial Edition and there have been other editions as well um, I think Samurai I'm not exactly sure but I know there's definitely been this concept where you go to these big tournaments and to qualify they used to have you know the ex-top players through you had to win a Kote to get an invite to go and play and then the other way to do it is throughout the weekend um, throughout these big these big conventions is you could go and play these 32 player 64 player grinders they're like five rounds four round grinders I can't you know I, I wasn't there but I've been I remember vividly reading forums as people are posting their progress in these grinders and if you want one of these grinders you then got an invite so they might run you know like a dozen of these grinders over the first couple of days and you could get an invite well, to go in Worlds and Worlds was right? NC that's how he got his nickname yeah he used to go to those NZ, yeah, yeah. So NZ is one of the, uh, Chris, who's one of the guys, one of the fellow rollers who appears on one in every dozen episodes. I think he's been on like two or three episodes. He's a Canadian guy and he used to actually cross the border, come down south, um, cross over the wall there and get into the United States. And he would try and qualify for these these big tournaments. And he got his nickname Grinder because he was always fantastic at grinding his way into the final and always coming in, never qualifying. And then he would always make sure somehow he would 
sneak into the top 16 and he'd be 16th qualified. Maybe that he was 17th qualified, but the 16th guy got, you know, like the swine flu or something. And he managed to just <laughs> somehow miraculously find his way into the top 16. He always do really, really well. And, and sometimes he would, uh, you know, he, he was a bit of a uh, bridesmaid though. I think he got a lot of second places in his career. Um, so that's not new. And having a really competitive elite final like world championship is not a bad thing in my um, estimation where I think uh, what we need to have on the side just like just like we did in the old days and I am sure it was just a matter of communication and as things become clearer more there'll be like an L5R winter court specific announcement but we need to make sure that on the side there are other events going around. I know that there's like a bit of a festival atmosphere is what people love and certainly going out to Joe Sensors was a hell of a lot of fun and just the general atmosphere that was actually in the um, the FFG Flight Center was so much fun when I, when, when Bert and I went to Worlds it was, and, and Merlin. Uh, it, was, it was just a, a real heap of fun. So I think that as long as there are other tournaments that are running alongside that, whether that be grinders or for those that played in the qualifying tournaments and didn't make it on the day of worlds there's some other fun stuff for them to do uh story based stuff i think that then it can really really work i think the big challenge and it actually creates a bit more of an atmosphere as well because there'll be a bunch of people that haven't made it through to worlds uh in terms of the world championship event but they are coming and there is some other tournament which has you know that is a, a tournament of note and and you know it does mean you've got a lot more of a spectator it's a lot more elite for spectators it's a lot more interesting and it really does say you know what these national championships continental championships regionals they're all open events and they are going to be the event where you you draw a heap of players and you get to have that great community experience and it's fantastic but they are open by their nature whereas worlds will be ultra competitive and everybody knows if you're going to the world championships which may may be a separate thing from winter court it might just be part of winter court you're there because you're a no-lifer um, and for some reason you're prepared to pony up the money to fly to the middle of nowhere and play Legend of the Five Rings to become the best at the world in a game that nobody's heard of <laughs> except for your close circle of friends. So I, I am totally cool with making no-life activities like Legend of the Five Rings World Championships exclusive and now I say that as somebody who is a softy bleeding heart guy. Do, cool. What what uh, tangible change do you actually see happening in on the day? On the day is round one is the only change. Round one, it I think traditionally at, at well not traditionally there's only been two worlds right, but in the last two worlds keep in mind like there's no traditional or history here. There's been two events, so calm down, people who say who are status quoing the shit out of this and saying it's always been done like this in my day. Your day started in 2017, so shut the fuck up. Um, what I'm saying is the difference is on round one is sometimes you'll luck out and like you you'll get a randomly skilled opponent. Uh, and they and, and look one thing I will say everybody is super friendly at Worlds it doesn't matter if you're like a no-lifer competitive player you're someone who is more casual in nature or you're someone who just you know what I want to make the trip I want to try my luck I'm not expecting to go top 8 top 16 or whatever but I want to try my luck I really want to throw my hat in the ring sometimes there's players who aren't at that super elite level who aren't expecting to get to that top level um, and you fight, face one of them in round 1 and if you're an ultra competitive player you get like the simplest round 1 you're super happy life is good 
Um, otherwise, sometimes in round one, you'll get like a really, really hard player. Did- I don't think it makes very much of a difference at all after round yeah, one. Yeah, so, so it doesn't actually make, in terms of like the cut and, and the finals being a competitive game of L5. No difference. No difference. It, no difference. It, no yeah, difference. It, it, it'll, it will either have no difference or it'll be slightly fewer of the best, best players from, from small regions. So that's that's it's, my counter example. Like, what right. if I'm from Italy yep. and I don't have an EC? And I can't afford to go. Yeah, I totally. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, I to- totally get that. It does suck. It does suck. I in that regard. And also, that, cool. though, if if it makes very little difference to the outcome of the tournament itself and the structure at the end, but a bunch less people get to participate, then isn't that not a substantial negative? Yeah, it's dumb. But we've. I think okay. we've said our piece, and um, I think that you could probably. Yeah, I think we could probably listen to the exhaustive arguments on either side by reading Reddit, Facebook, Discord, I suggest no or any one of the do other this, podcasts. By the way, it's just it's yeah. one of those internet <laughs> screaming matches where there's you know. Yeah. <laughs> so let's and there's so much information we don't have. Cool. All right. So we did a tight ten, or maybe a loose ten, maybe a loose eleven on on uh, on worlds. So uh, on OP. So let's move on from organized play. Uh, we do have a, a fun little segment that we've been throwing around. Uh, which we call uh, One Samurai's Trash. <laughs> I think that's going to be the title. Anyway, but we there's there's this idea that we have. Um, we have this groupthink idea where we've all decided that one card is complete trash, but there's someone who thinks that that card is absolute treasure, that it's an amazing card and it should be played and it has a place in the game, right? And, and Toridor is here to tell us that that's absolute treasure bullshit it's shenanigans like that card is rubbish and it should go in the bin but nathan is one of those guys who loves rummaging around in the bin and he goes hey you left this you left this here man it's like it was in a, in a banana peel but but you know and it's and there's like a baked bin tin and i pulled it out of the baked bin tin and it's ready to go i'm here so, to bring you guys so, down to earth and give you a cold hard dose of reality okay, okay? so so you're going to give us the dose of reality first and then nathan's going to have the chance to respond butters is going to respond and he's going to go nah man you got it all wrong so the card of the week today that that you believe is trash but maybe another samurai believes is treasure is grasp of the earth why is this card bad all right well first of all i have to go look it up to read the text again because i've like um put that away in my mind as something that is not worth looking at uh, so I'm just going to read it out for the benefit of all of you other competitively minded people who also chuck this card in the trash when you open up your first core set. Uh, it's a one cost Phoenix attachment, spell Earth, plus one, plus one. Decent stats, you know, for a one cost attachment. Attached to a Shigenji you control. Okay, there's the first negative. Uh, action. During conflict, bow this attachment. Opponents, characters cannot move to this conflict or be played from hand until the end of the conflict. Oh, all right. So where do I start? This card's a piece of shit. First of all, uh, attachment. Atta- <laughs> the requirements of it being a Shigenja. Easy, that's a minor. Easy. That's a minor thing. Not a big deal. The spell's nice, so um, Shrine Maiden can fetch it. Can't be used with Ki, but whatever. Um, the action is actually kind of nice. During conflict, battles attachment. Opponents' characters cannot move or be played from hand. So the the most important part of that is played from hand, in my opinion. It pairs well with Covert, so that you can stop people favorable grounding people in your Covert and stuff. Um, so I see the merits of the action. You're, you're, you're big upping it, No, man. no, you're let, big let me this card. You're not doing a very good job. <laughs> okay, Tell me more, Bert, about how much this card sucks. Okay, so first of all, your deck is very, very tight in Phoenix. You have a plethora of better spells to choose from. That's argument one. Argument two, this is a huge tempo suck sink 
it's like being stuck in a fucking pit of quicksand because if you play it before the conflict begins your opponent has time to adjust their assignment strategy and their conflict character strategies so they can play it from hand before the conflict begins yada yada if you play it in the middle of the conflict they have a action window to then play their character anyway or play their movement card anyway because of the fact that it's an action and not a static effect and that is really the crux of why this card is dog shit it's because it's telegraphed and you don't have the ability to immediately trigger its uh, its text I, see. I think you disagree i see so f- first of all just a tldr your argument is you didn't know what it did then you read it and the first thing you did was compliment it a few times to say how good the <laughs> abilities were and the stats and the thing it does you're just so you're just fucking right. pulling a donald trump in in the vegas debate against clinton right now this is just stick Look, to the facts don't make mate. me build a wall mate stick don't make me build a wall. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> right. whoa political guys pull out, pull out. we're going political pull that's out. that that's that plus one coming into play right there. Look, it, no, no, in all seriousness, there's so much... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Can I say game. one more thing before you... Uh, oh, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, one other Do you really negative. like the art? Another bonus? Does, doesn't stop Nino because put into play is not the same thing. Carry on. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. One, one card out of hundreds upon hundreds can get around it. Okay. So, <laughs> this card. First of all, you say, oh, Phoenix has struggle playing it. It's one influence. It can go anywhere. Like, Phoenix is a super common splash. Anyone can do it. Anyone anyone with it, lots of Shigenja. No, you don't need lots. Anyone that's running enough Shugs to run Cloud, which is, what, three different Shugs? So you you like got to shut up now, by the way, Bert. Yeah. This is, this is, yeah. is Butter's time I've to shine. Shut, yeah, this is Butter's time to shine. your incorrect, misinformed mouth. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... The, what this card allows you first of all as you said i mean bert's taken most of my arguments already like the ability is great the cost isn't that bad the stats are amazing i mean it, the biggest argument bert had i think was the tempo shift and that doesn't matter a lot of the time i mean your opponent can play around it sure but at that point all of the stuff they were going to play or move into the conflict loses all its potency the fact that those cards have to go beforehand means this card's done its job before you even have to activate it even if the ability never goes off, one for one one is never bad. It's easy to splash. And the ability itself is obviously where it's amazing. Your person doesn't have to be in there. You can have it on a freaking sinister Soshi offer in the corner if you really want to and just lock down an entire conflict. After you've played this card, then you can bring in additional people and buff your guys or outwit or route or harmonize or any other or um, the Phoenix province where you send someone home and bound that one all of those things can get played and you flick them out of the conflict and they cannot come back nothing can enter the thing again it also helps you when you're dishonoring people so unopposed conflicts make your opponent lose honor so you can just lock it down there flick them out of the conflict and start hammering the nail in at the end of a game and all of that i pass and mass turn one and hoard all my fate nonsense that people are routinely doing you know this shuts most of it down they might get one crappy person that you can flick out with any number of cards you drop this and you just get a free break without having to spend many resources and it just persists turn to turn the fact that it's on the table i think is a big enough threat to mean it it's always going to be there i mean and let's say it gets nuked by let go or something well that's great now they're not going to let go your other stuff if this is on the table the, the true test of a card's worth when it's an attachment is whether or not your opponent burns a let go on it and I reckon this would be a target mic drops there you go so is this <laughs> but is, is this the red herring uh, attachment in your deck that you're trying to get your opponent to use let go on 
What? No, they. I hope they don't, because then they will suffer the consequences. <laughs> what I love about Butters is that his, the cards that he used as an argument to pair with this card were outwit and harmonize. <laughs> and, and route and route oh yeah. mate oh, yeah. that, they would Fucking those route. three will be Strength coming in numbers. future episodes don't you worry <laughs> so I, I feel we'll like make, I think we'll actually... make outwit and route a double feature actually <laughs> given they're so similar <laughs> I feel like we can run City of Liars and just reduce the cost of those cards It'd be amazing alright that was that was I'm convinced Grasp the Earth is That's a card God coming to a trotate I need Jay on here or someone with a fucking, you know, negative pessimistic brain to, to back me up on this. Nah, nah, Remedy's got my back. We, uh, we discussed this card at length. It's great. He was dismayed and disappointed. He was shocked that it didn't get played. He's like, why? Why does this card not get played more? It's amazing. It's like, I know, Glenn. I know. Ask Bert. He's the poison master. He'll fucking taint the community. Anyway. All right, so play it, everyone. So, <laughs> well done. All right, so over the last week, there has been an incredibly large amount of tournaments played, and this weekend as well, there is even more and more tournaments to be played that are big ones. And I mean, elemental championships. I love it. There's there's been a heap of elemental championships, and there's been a bunch of results which are really, really interesting and surprising. Uh, there will be a link in the podcast description if you want to have a look at some statistics I would suggest you go check out those statistics um, because I've put together a spreadsheet uh, and it's available on the winners event winners uh, uh, big list that we're also maintaining there's a link there that says lots more stats check it out just click that link and you'll see some really cool little results Um, but let's just go over who's been winning right so since uh, last week we've had a whole bunch so First of all, we had uh, Gabriel... Oh, actually, no, Gabriel Katan we didn't talk about last week. He won with Dragon and an original Splash of Crab, uh, and that was in uh, Seminole, Florida. Then we had Tim Scarrow from Omaha, Nebraska. He won his EC Championship with Drag Dragon, and he was... Seems like he checked out Gabriel and went, hmm, maybe I should try splashing Crab in my Dragon. And he splashed Crab in his Dragon deck. Uh, we had Glenn Bosa from Chicago, Illinois, with the Phoenix Dragon combo. Uh, we had Dennis Murphy, aka Isomalt, take out uh, Portland, Oregon. And, Did he uh, win Portland? We might be here. He did, no mate. He shit. got there. Well done, Dennis. He got there. It's a tough field, too, Portland. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty stacked field, and we might be hearing from those Portland boys pretty soon, actually. Uh, he actually won in a crane mirror against uh, Jesse Butler, who's another strong crane player. Yeah. So it's um, so it was. I mean that that field it was it was actually like only a fifteen player tournament. But if you look, there's like Mosey, so and it's just like a lot it's of like world's strong players. Twenty nineteen is what you're saying, yeah. Fifteen players, yeah, yeah, all, yeah, the, yeah. all the most competitive beasts. Yeah. yeah. Um, we did have some Canadian tournament. Well, we had uh, two Canadian tournaments actually. Vancouver in in uh, British BC. Uh, Rudy Carico or Caricho. He won with Unicorn and Phoenix Splash. Uh, so that was a pretty cool deck. Uh, is again we're seeing that um, the deck was fairly similar to uh, what Frotop put on his. Um, actually, it's not at all. I apologize. Nothing to do with Frotop's deck uh his unicorn deck that he put on the primer video this is a guy showing you how powerful unicorn is he won this ec and it was a decent sized ac he was splashing one against the waves and three display of powers Oof. 
He had Mantis Tekken Ninja in his deck, three copies of it. You know, he was he was oh, making wait, so some Seeker players. Oh, Seeker of Water like then, if he's using the Tank Ninja. That's crazy. Yeah, Seeker yeah. of Water, man. So Seeker up, of Water. Giving up Unleash the Jin and Caper Initiates. Yeah, he's got 3x Press of Battle in there too, man. Like, that's a pretty serious deck. And it's showing you that Unicorn can actually win with all sorts of different decks, right? That's really cool. I've been playing a bit of Unicorn because yeah. I've been... Uh, I selected them for my season 13... Um, Discord League. Plan. Well, they just lie and oh, yeah. can win, right? Like, yeah, they do. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that is sad but true. Yeah. Uh, so we then had Stephen Allen playing the more tradi- the more uh, conservative Phoenix with Dragon Splash, uh, just making sure that he could get those. And that was in uh, in uh, Atlanta. Oh, cool. So that was uh, a decently. That was actually quite a decently attended uh, elemental championship as well. Uh, and then we had uh, Darren Hazelden, who won with Dragon uh, over in, in Bassingstoke in the United Kingdom. Uh, that was with Dragon, and he chose uh, another unusual splash, Crab, for his Dragon deck. And then finally, we had uh, Ronnie. So Ronnie is actually the player of 2019 at the moment. He's recorded two premium event wins, which is the two ECs, uh, two, two of the Canadian ECs, one in uh, Toronto and the other in Petersburg. Uh, oh, sorry, Peterborough. Petersburg and sorry, Canada. Canada is quite a competitive uh, meta from from a competitive field. Yeah, Yeah. and he's been running Scorpion Splash uh, as well. Um, So Mm -hmm, he's mm -hmm. on those stats there. You can start to see. Yeah, so so Suzatron he is on Discord for those of you who are unlucky enough to face him in those tournaments. Uh, I'd just like to say, Bert, that the latest deck that he was running at this uh, this um, uh, latest Elemental Championship, his Splash with Scorpion. I'm going to read out his splash for you. Three times Mark of Shame. Three. So far seems pretty good. That's a lot. Three Mark of Shames. Yeah, continue. All right. He's he's running one Bayushi Collector. Then he's, got an, then he's got another two influence card that started to become super popular in Scorpion. Like, what do you think if in terms of two influence Scorpion splash cards that just seem to make sense that you should... They're a staple Calling and you should really... No, no, th- no, no, no. I'm talking about a card that really should be in every deck. Really you know, excited. if you could squeeze it in, you should put it in every Maze deck. Maze of Illusion. Of course. Why, how could I forget? Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Maze is, is definitely a good, good guess. But I'm talking about a card that really, you've actually come into, uh, come a cropper. You've had some real challenges against this oh, card you're recently. Oh, kidding. He didn't play Yoga Kitty. He certainly did. <laughs> Ronnie, you fucking savage, dude. That's disgusting. Well done. He played a Yogo Kikio. Two of them. So, like, one. he played one Yogo Kikio. So, it was more three Marcus Shames. In Crane, because it's... you've already got a lot of native cancels. It's even more, you know, egregious. Because <laughs> he's, he's writing, like, cancel wise, he's got Kikio, he's got one censure, three voices of honor. He's, it was a spicy meter ball of deck. He's got an I Can Swim in there, two calling in favors, he's got a peasant's advice. Like, this is a deck that's got pieces. Now, I, I just want to, I don't know that Suzatron is an amazing player and he's put up tons of results, but as a disclaimer, the reason that Ben is, is pretty high on this guy is not only because he's the, the winningest player for the 2019 season of premium events, <laughs> but he did knock him out of Worlds. So the more he could puff him up, the better it makes Simcoff look. <laughs> <laughs> you might be on to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He is, he is at the top of my list of top ringers on the uh, the competitive stats charts for 2019. I'd just like to make a shout uh, out quickly to you, Simkoff, for putting together those stats. They are fucking amazing. And I suggest anyone who's into stats, even even has a cursory interest in statistics, 
and loves all five r to check him out there's there's all the events from all over the world are being reported to that document which is really sweet nice yeah, Elemental Championships, Codes, Grand Codes, Barbecues, Cookouts. Um, we've got the clan scorecard as well is quite interesting that I kind of put together. For 2019 so far, in terms of ECs and above, there's been five Phoenix wins and five Dragon wins. So they're, wow. they're like on... Phoenix is on top of the table, right? Mm. Then you've got three Unicorn, three Crab, three Crane, and then there's just zero results for Scorpion or uh, the Lost Clan. Like, it's, <laughs> it's pretty... Pretty pretty crazy to think that scorpion is just it hasn't even registered yet like there's been 19 19 ec and above grade tournaments and well actually there's been 20 there was an ec in shanghai if anyone is a shanghai listener out there there's probably zero of you but if there happens to be there was a uh elemental championship that apparently happened out there but i don't know the results for it but like scorpion have not even just goes to show just how much the whole identity of that clan uh, in, in its success anyway was tied into that card of fate worse than death because other Bruno clans Longo? other clans <laughs> other <laughs> clans also took hits right like dragon took a big hit and i think rather than them being like clearly top dog i think it is kind of neck and neck with phoenix now and and crane took a hit they lost guests to the restricted list and other clans took fate hits worse than death yeah <laughs> but um fate worse than death was such a a archetype defining card that they've slid so far yeah. it's crazy i mean we predicted it when the restricted list landed we all sort of said oh it's the end of scorp for now anyway i think do i think though fate though stood alone like it was it there was no other card in fate's wheelhouse that did that kind of stuff there are big cards but they all sort of bring a bunch of people onto the table nothing just had a massive impact you like mean that, conflict side that heavily yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, you know, you've got all champions and stuff, but you're on your conflict side. There are no other cards like Fate Worse and Death. I think Void Fist is the only think, close one, and that one also got restricted, so. Well, I don't think, yeah, even Void Fist, I think, is not not as, as bad. But um, don't get me wrong, it's still a savage card. But at the same time, um, I think Fate Worse and Death was just the, was the primary reason Scorpion could play the way they could. They played totally, differently totally agree. to totally other agree. decks. It was, the, it was and, the, the worst thing that they could have done to scorpion yeah well no, see uh, maybe it's just you, you sort of want everyone to be playing the same base game and if they're gonna be different it needs to be because of a collection of cards not just one enormous hammer right so i i get it um i just i resent it i suppose <laughs> <laughs> i understand i don't have to like it i think at the top level i think most competitive players kind of agreed that it wasn't actually for balance purposes it was because they wanted to shelf scorpion for a bit and and eliminate that style of play as like a winning strategy because it was a bit npa yeah. let's be honest like if you're a casual player and you come up against Simkoff at worlds and he's playing five fires kachiko and fate worse than death and you haven't played against that deck before you're gonna have a bad time you know yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard fun. to have a good time when you've got no people on the table <laughs> that can do anything. Um, so one of the other things I've put together just from a competitive standpoint, I think it's fun to track this stuff. It doesn't mean a lot, but it's just fun to track it, is um, that that stat sheet, which you can have a look at, it, there's kind of two sheets. One's 2019 based um, and the other one is all time and you can there's filters you can kind of change by a restricted list or look by country or event type, etc. But if you just go unfiltered all time, I've created a list and we actually added the uh, global discord uh, 
uh, cup winners as well uh, to it. So there's like a global... So it's tracking Worlds, Grand Cotes, Global Discord Leagues, Cotes, and Elemental Championships. All time, um, we can actually see that uh, Anil, to no surprise, and Jacob are like one and two. Um, and then there's a really thick pack, which is from like three to seven of there's actually only been seven players that have that are at least of results i'm aware of um that uh have recorded more than one uh premium event win so we have uh anil jacob uh jacob ertsk who i think last year you know we definitely um saw him just you know he won three grand cotes and one cote how absurd is that what an absurd record! I, I played against him <laughs> at Worlds in the side of the proving grounds the following day, and I was just absolutely yeah. knackered. Like I'd played ten games of L five R or whatever, and he was playing like a robot. Yeah. And just destroyed me. He's he's an absolute <laughs> machine. Yeah, he's he's absurd, right? And then you've got Jared Wright, aka Mosey. He's on two wins, and like Mosey is he's he's a he's a beast. Uh, we've got Chris Podoff, aka Sir Largeness, on two wins. Palumbo is on. Steve Palumbo is on two wins. Uh, he's got like three different names online. I think uh, Synergy is one of them. But Palumbo is an amazing player. Widewin with two wins, and I think it's good to actually show Widewin with two wins there, which are the Discord League wins, because those are like, you know, multi- sometimes they're like two hundred players, but they're usually at least one hundred fifty players. Like they're stacked fields, right? Like. I don't think anybody can really say that a global Discord League win is an easy thing to come by. Like, there's some pretty... You've, you've played in a few, Toto. I think you even got second once. Like, would you describe that as a cakewalk of a tournament? No, it's it's just the format's just different. I think... I don't like drawing a big distinction between them and live events, but I think they are different. But I do think it's very competitive yeah. and tough. And so you play from the comfort of your own home there are no rounds you don't have to like play it's not an attrition game or anything but each individual match is incredibly uh, tough especially in that cup in, there are no easy games or anything it's really really hard no you're running chess uh, I don't know if they time wise I don't know if they not do. they did for the world cup but um, I think it was just a trial yeah. so what are you running yeah. you're running chess clocks and those things like for world cup 45 well, for the Australian Discord League it was 45 yeah but I yeah, think you could probably do thirty. Like there are, there's this lag time where neither clock runs down for yeah. framework stuff. So, mm. okay, um, nice. Yeah, and then yeah. So Ronnie's obviously uh, on seven. Uh, he's, he's ranked seventh of all time, but first for 2019 with these two so ACs out the gates, uh, crushing, crushing souls. Mate, here's here's the player of 2019 so far. If there was player of the year points. He's got the player of the year points, Dude, that's right? your next job, so, dude. Make the player of the year points. Player of the year. Actually, you know what? Let's announce it right now. We're having a Hidden City Roller-sponsored player of the year. I don't know the prizes, but it's going to be based on the points that are on these stats, and we're going to send out some cool prizes for player of the year in the top something. We'll figure and it we'll out. Interview it that person the year. Assigned by the entire cast of Roller's copy of Grasp of Earth. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll announce it um but yeah let's do it we've got the statistics to prove it all we need to do is keep this goddamn thing up there upgraded apologies to the religious folk out there for blaspheming um right <laughs> we do have <laughs> on that note there uh speaking of the listeners is we've got uh it's been quite fantastic actually since we've opened up our facebook page a little bit started posting a little bit more we've got our twitters and discords and we've tried to like Engage. More and more questions are starting to come in. And uh, Ray Dent, if you're out there and we're listening, uh, we miss you. There was no question posted this week. 
Man, Ray Dent, we need you back. I'm, ch- I'm asking you now. You need a question next week. I'll be very disappointed if there's not a question. But for uh, for your record is blemished. For now, let's let's look through some of these questions and see if we can't solve some listener problems. Um, right. Edwin Pierce, who, who's asked a few questions in the past, he's, he said, this is a good one. I think um, I was actually talking to... His question is, Phoenix seemed to have momentum of a runaway freight train. Why are they suddenly so popular? Uh I was actually talking to um, Eaton Andrew, who's a uh, old friend of Butters and myself uh, today. He's uh, he's actually talking about experimenting with Phoenix at the moment, and he says the clan just seems to have so many options, and he's very excited about them. Um, have either of you seen Phoenix in action, and, and why do you think suddenly they they are on top of the tables in terms of most wins at these premium tournaments, and people seem to be having a lot of success? Well, with I think them? the answer is clearly grasp of earth. Um, do you have anything else to yeah. add, Butters, or? Well, that's that's the whole deck, right? I mean, <laughs> you start with three of copies of Grasp it's, of Earth yeah. and then build around it. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. No, Grasp of Earth is is the be all. It's actually got a better home in Dragon because they've got two cards that can fetch Grasp of Earth and, and dig for it, and you can play Shrine Raiden to dig for it as well. <laughs> so you like guaranteed Grasp every turn. I play a bit of Phoenix. So is illustrious. Is illustrious Forge a card that Phoenix players are looking out to so they can get access to that Grasp of Earth quicker? With that, that new province, the reaction, look at the top five of your cards and then equip a Grasp of the Earth for free. I feel like it's an auto-include. Yeah, fair call. Now, Bert, you've got probably Phoenix. a slightly different opinion. Yeah, I like... Yeah, what do you reckon? I've been playing the, like, the good stuff Dragon Splash deck a bit, and I've also played a bit of the old box Keeper deck with Backhanders and Tariagize and um, Three Mazes and all that. that. That deck is probably my favorite deck to play, period right now i just love playing it every time i play it. it's super fun but i think that their deck ha- didn't really get hit by the restricted list their, their tier one deck so if you're talking about competitive play the deck really didn't take any hits and decks like dragon and scorpion came down a peg and i think scorp was one of the worst matchups for phoenix and so them being kind of an irrelevant uh, faction to deal with now has you know shot them up a bit i also think that they don't have weaknesses so they've got six against the waves to deal with opponents against the waves bowing their shugs um, they've got board clear with five fires, which has become like a bit of a backup plan for that deck. Um, so if you're losing on board or if you're maintaining a parity, but you're a little bit behind, you can play that card and just and just turn the game. And then just the tempo, the tempo of their cards is quite quick. They've got uh, the recursion, shrine maiden, um, and and also I think they're fun and they're fast, they're aggressive, and so I think people like playing yeah. that style. So that's why I think they're popular yeah, for sure. I think the the recursion on Cutenissor I think is the big reason. Um, that's yeah, their strongholds just on. better than than the others it's except bonkers. for and city. and obviously probably the I'd say top dog as far as personalities go in the game at the moment is Tadaka. Like he just ruins lives when he hits the table. Um, he controls everything. Like your opponent can no longer cancel the rest of your events for the most part. They can't play half their hand. Um, and Phoenix have just got, you know, they've got the Forgotten Libraries, which I think arguably is, arguably is the, the best holding in the game that's not a one-off. I agree with um, that. I think it's the best holding in the game that's not a one-off. It's just, it's super amazing. Oh, maybe, maybe Iron Mind would, would contest, but I, I still would probably go with the library. Um, but again, yeah, they've just got so many tools that other clans struggle to include. Like, they can run that full Shug deck, which is obviously Phoenix's jam, but against the waves is super good, particularly when you can use recursion. They've also got the supernatural storm, which is just a huge boost. Most of the time they'll have a few guys on the table that just ruin your life. Um, 
and they've got a lot of little spells that they can toss in the deck just one of like karmic twist or consumed or any another of any other number of spells yep. that they can just recur later on should they need them so they've got this the longer the game goes i suppose that's the big thing for me with phoenix the longer the game goes the less likely you are to beat them and because the, their their options in the discard get bigger and your options get smaller as you play more events and Tadaga crush Tadaka crushes you and i think that's yeah i think the one card if you wanted to really nerf phoenix would be to restrict supernatural storm i think that would be the card that paired with Tadaka being restricted would be the biggest ban hammer you could do to them but i, I like you know they haven't won any major events prior to 2019 and I, i've always mm. thought that they're a very interesting deck to play and to play against so i'm happy that they're yeah. doing well and you know Tadaka's is a bit of a shame because i really hate playing against that guy or with him to be fair um and with with a lot of the big kill clan being kind of nerfed he's even stronger yeah. so you can do stuff like um walking the way to get him and stuff um as well yeah. i think um i think phoenix have taken the the massive tower spot that dragon did like dragon can still do it obviously but phoenix do it just as well now. dude what about like, the exquisite of... pain of having your opponent play a consumed by five fires for free because they've put embrace the voids in your characters that if you haven't <laughs> yeah. felt that that is pure pain <laughs> pure pain boys and girls it's just so good but i mean they've just got so much value out of one person as well they can tower up something and they've got against the waves again that card is super key but also um the name escapes me right now where you don't bow in a conflict and don't bow as a result of political conflicts uh, clarity of purpose yeah clarity of purpose is another amazing and they just got good weenies their one drops are really strong they have real good little people like the solemn scholar is ball is just baller it's ridiculous the um, um ethereal dreamer was a big boost it's a really yep, strong huge, card. huge yeah. three it's just a way better version of the angry shigenja from dragon but if you haven't played much um, phoenix listeners go out and play some they're really really fun yeah for sure get cool get into that right. grasp of earth <laughs> melissa marsh uh has a has a request for a shout out which we're always happy to do uh sydney uh in new south wales australia uh their good game store which is actually it's in top right for some reason she says city good games but it's in top right top right's a little bit north uh of, of of sydney is they are having their stronghold league it's about to begin uh friday night so probably the day that you hear this podcast australians um when you're listening to this Head up, head up to Top Ride and enjoy some Stronghold League action at Good Games. She has uh, uh, procured some custom cards for promos, which look really sweet. So check that out. Nice. And and there's also going to be some streaming. So um, watch the streaming. <laughs> um, cool. All right. So then, okay. Here's a great question, Eric Hyden. Hey, hey, Eric. How's it going, man? Um, he's asked, what is a cool new kind of deck the world has never seen before that we will get to see post-Coat Children of the Empire? What do you guys reckon? What's something new that we've never seen before? A straight duelist deck is the, the obvious boring answer. Um, and I, I dare say I think they'll probably do quite well. Um, not necessarily as a result of the duels, but as a result of all the effects that will trigger off your duels. I think Crane Honor will... I think a crane on a dueling deck is is probably going to be the first semi-reliable um, on a deck, basically, and on a maybe not on a running deck, but they'll engage you in conflict. They'll slam around all kinds of juicy events, and um, it, that will. It'd be kind of cool if you make duels with the crane deck, where your opponent 
can either choose between winning the duel and donating you honor so that you're closer to your victory condition or they they surrender the duel i think if they can strike that balance well that'll be cool i think that dueling thing's really gonna get strong with the crane box but um i think for coat i reckon perhaps the hardest hard control deck we've ever seen with like old box phoenix and the emperor I think that might be an archetype <laughs> that works. I'm serious. I'm, because that card is clearly just... Wait, so you're going to have Tadaka in that deck as well, right? Yeah, you get Tadaka as well. If you choose that as your restricted so you card, just have presumably you'd probably choose that. Wow. So you just you just com- and you lock them down so amazingly hard. <laughs> and Kanto. Oh, my God. It's just like the ultimate you are not allowed to do anything deck. And I think... Um, I'll tell you what up. Tier 1 yeah. Unicorn is the other thing. Just fast, strong, yeah. aggressive Unicorn. That would be sick. I think we'll- Phoenix deck though, because you can't do anything, right? You got Kanjo going and stuff. <laughs> Grasp of Earth. You can't move into conflicts. Marwin's listening to this just, podcast, yeah. just having a bat, just so excited for this deck. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Dory. Um, I think that one thing that we will start to see, well, what I'm, what I think, I'm making a bold claim now, is I think we're going to see the rise of the lion splash. I think with hand to hand becoming a card that can potentially deal with nasty attachments like watch commander um then i think that and i think that lion as a splash has been generally a hobby it's something people do for fun and i mean there's been a very occasional deck that goes you know what let's make use of strength of my ancestors and in phoenix and do some really funky like force pumps but in general like it's 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 considered an acquired taste the lion splash but i think now that they have some attachment control available to them we'll see more and more people experiment with lion splash agreed yeah, yeah. i mean it's whether it's dis- be effective or not it's pretty depressing that that you know using yellow cards is going to be a new and interesting build that no one has ever seen before <laughs> <laughs> i think it's kind of horrible but okay well i do i do have another i do have another bold prediction which my uh, fellow scorpions generally speaking disagree with um yes. dynasty phase scorpions so this idea of scorpions playing the dynasty phase i think that we will start to see with lots of interesting abilities being printed on scorpion characters more and more scorpions will actually put fate on their characters it's something that um me as a bit of a diehard scorpion um i kind of throw my nose up at and think that why why i don't understand why you'll put fate on a character that's not uh, called boyushi kachiko actually, or on turn turn I, I five with Boyushi they're not doing that ben they're not doing that because they can't play characters during the conflict into the conflict do you want to tell us why <laughs> uh, it's, it's the grass of the earth meta we're just it living is. in it it's defining this season you know there are right, there are gullible vulnerable souls out there listening to this cast looking for legitimate competitive advice and you guys are just polluting the minds of the youth I, with that I look forward to being credited with some of the kudos when they take out worlds <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, so the great Barry Shepherd asks. So, new organized play. Um, I think we've covered that, Barry. Thanks again for uh, all the hard work you do. Um, but uh, unfortunately, we're uh, we've covered that already. So hopefully, hopefully, it lived up to your standards. Um, Joseph Raymond Martin. Uh, actually, he's asked a question, guys. We, we'll entertain one of these types of questions, but try to try to like elevate the sort of questions you ask. He has said. Um, if you could be a potato, what kind of potato would you be? I'm not exactly sure why he asked this question, but uh, has anyone got any amazing insight on 
potatoology. I've never thought about this before, but I'm just thinking about it. Really? Now. That's amazing. You've never thought about what sort of potato you would be if you were a potato. <laughs> that shocks me. That shocks me, really. I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I think, think about you a whole is he different trying to way insult now. Us? I don't know. What is <laughs> even happening here? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably be a what sweet potato because I'm a sweet Who bird. am I? What are we even doing? No, Bert, in his inherently contrary nature, is the potato. <laughs> ah! Because <laughs> potatoes have been nerfed, right? Potatoes is where it's at. That's right. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to say a sweet potato because my wife prefers sweet potatoes. And I'm a good boy. Yes. <laughs> I'm a generic brown spud. Brown spud, <laughs> generic brown spud, straight out of the earth. <laughs> All right, uh, sh- uh, we do a, a final answer for you, Bert, or are we going to move? I was going to say sweet potato because I'm a sweet boy. Hey, uh, that's good. Negative. I like it. All right, Schroeds, Daniel Schro- Schrodinger, sorry Schroeder, um, he says way too early for predictions for clan posts uh, for clan rankings post COTE question mark is it too early to predict oh, I, which clans are going to be on top of the table I think so nah, anyone no. I think it's too yeah. early like, are you wait wait I, I, come on Bert this should be your opportunity I, to stand up and, and make a bold claim and a bet that you're not going to follow through on when you All lose right. it post oh, yeah. post coat unicorn will be top dog and it won't be close they're going to smash everyone that'll stick for a while too because then it's the unicorn pack only a month after presumably so they'll just maintain some some savage strength I think they're already possible. I think they just people for for reasons we all know and understand. People have aren't as practiced with unicorn as they are with the other clans because <laughs> they had a, a rough trot a rough trot early on. Maybe didn't get enough reps, but um, nah, they've got some some crazy like unicorn have always had amazing conflict side. Like it's always been great and it's always been a massive splash. But the dynasty is now getting taken up to the is, same. Is level Komoko and, in and char- Children of the Empire? I feel um, like Komoko is the unicorn pack. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, it's just unicorn. But they've still got good people. Yeah, dude, it's looking scary. I'm excited. But isn't their their little two cost of duelist is a harpoon, right? Oh, so I've good. I've been playing that, a lot that. of unicorn for this current league, and they're so much fun. I've won, I've won three games, and every game has been on a total knife edge where I just exploded at the right time to win to seize victory. They do get a new. They do get a new box as well. So I think one of the exciting things about Unicorn is, is that um, there's going to be a couple of different archetypes. You've got this like yep. big fate hoarding. Well, it's not necessarily fate hoarding, but fate generating. Maybe you're spending it as fast as you're generating it version of the deck. Then you've got a potentially super aggro version with HMT and you've got your like curved blades, your Gaijin scum going at it and beating the hell out of people as fast as you can. But they've also got all of these cards that nobody's really sure yet whether they're going to be great or they're going to be binder fodder and i think that honest challenger the harpoon duelist is a great example of that who's a two coster and generally speaking two costers have to have very very strong abilities to uh to start being included in decks because they're assassinatable so you want to spend as little fate as possible on them so generally you love your one costers for that reason one costers that have good abilities go there um so they're not three costers so they're two costers it means you don't want to invest fate so it's kind of a tricky spot to be in um, so I guess time will tell to see how strong that card will be. I'm just so excited to test the new shit, man. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And there's so much of it as well. Like, I feel like every single clan can get a complete flip and just run a completely different feeling deck. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so 
Uh, we do have. Oh yeah, there's one. Was a question from Okoto Yama, aka the Cat Herder, one who herds cats. Says, uh, how much has the changes to worlds affected the Australian community? And if anything, what would you like to see happen to keep worlds interesting for the rest of the actual worlds? So there's two questions there. First of all. Uh, Bert, you might want to cover this one. How has how has these changes to world affected the Australian community? I think it's it's well, we don't have knowledge of what actual events we're getting. We do know we're getting three ECs in Melbourne. That's been under the table confirmed to us. Um, Good to announce that publicly, Bert. All oh, right. That we we may or may not know that knowledge. I might edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's restart. Um, Akoto Yama asks, how much changes to worlds affected the Australian community? And if anything, would you like to see uh, see happen to keep worlds interesting for the rest of the actual world? So there's two questions here. Um, firstly, uh, how much has the change to the worlds affected the Australian community? But um, I think probably very little because majority of us didn't go right. So there's only a few of us that went over. Um, yeah, it was like three people. Yeah, I think. We don't know what sort of events we're going to get yet that could qualify us locally. So it might take additional travel, which would be very, very tough um, to, as a selling point. Um, so probably not much difference, but maybe a couple people that want to go won't get to go. Uh, and then the second part, um, keeping worlds interesting for the rest of the actual world. Maybe have an event in every reasonably sized meta where the first place finisher gets a flight because that would be pretty cool. And then you could have like an emissary from each place. Um, or I just like the yeah. streaming, keep the streams up and stuff. So, um, I, I do think that the, yeah, go for it. I was just going to say, I think um, community-wise over here, I feel like even though you're right, only three people went last year, but everyone would want to go. And I feel like having the changes to the OP mean that that's much less of an option period now to go and do that. I think it's going to have an effect to... Uh, the potential for buzz at bigger tournaments and the like like i don't think it's going to get more people there i think you're likely to get less like oh the odds of me winning and taking it out and getting a part of that community are far less now so there's you know why bother to stay and do my locals um to improve it look i think uh just for australia i think um an emphasis on more events in each location i think a bit of um being on the west coast where there's like no cities anywhere near me i think the closest city is like three thousand kilometers away um so people here it's hard to get a decent event run like we don't i think have ecs or cotes or anything like i think australia as a whole though needs a cote to run i think you may you may get a state championship critical. though now man well now yeah, that we have these know. tiered events now that we've got these tiered events national championships state championships i feel like i feel like there's a decent i don't see why western australia wouldn't get uh, a state championship like it's almost as big as texas right like it's a ridiculously large state like come on geography is going to count for something <laughs> that does it though it hasn't in the past that is true what it, what it counts true. for is shipping costs but yeah, yeah. No, that's my base so. <laughs> yeah. that's a good question um, thank you cool yeah dig it all right uh and and uh yeah so there is one final question from our friend Trogdor Jones. So if you would like to change one thing about L5R, a card, gameplay, etc., what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. One thing about L5R, fuck. Um, I... One thing is, is hard. I feel like the... It's simultaneous to the strength of the game and what I would change. I think the strength of the game is that it's so complex and there's so many moving parts to think about and so much planning that it makes it such an awesome competitive game at the same time i think all of that stuff together is the barrier to newer players and that's why its growth has been so slow 
Um, and I think it's a barrier to letting the game get really huge, and which is what I'd love to see. I'd love to see mad growth for it. I think there's plenty of mechanics in the game since its creation that are just unnecessary. Like, I don't think the Imperial Favor really has to be there as a core mechanic. The ring thing probably doesn't have to happen. Um, yeah. There you go. Actually, one thing I think to make it simple, I would like just every deck to be able to pick whichever ring and roll they want. That I think that'd be cool great for, for deck construction. I Birdie? that's a really tough question. Um, man, that's just really hard. I don't I don't know if there's any one thing that that would be like a silver bullet to make the game so much better or anything. But I would like to experiment with removing passing fate, um, because as far as I understand it the only benefit to it right now is that it's a mini game that rewards planning and there's a bit of a jockeying for position in dynasty phase but i would just like to see what would happen if if we remove that benefit and then because i think right now i still think that white going wide isn't rewarded very much and so that would be it's, one I've, way to to maybe yeah level it a bit. i'm inclined to agree I, i've been playing a lot of decks lately like my cheap and nasty and i've been playing a little lion with hordes and crab hordes and oh every turn i'll dump almost my entire row before we hit the the draw phase and it really doesn't feel like i'm getting much out of that like at all like it, they can have one person on the table play a couple of cards and having numbers on the board doesn't seem to make much difference at all so that's i think you might be right getting rid of that passing fate and encouraging people to to get stuck in i think it'd be a really good idea i mean that's one of those extra mechanics that the game probably just doesn't need i would also set fire to katsuki investigator just ban it um, now, my obvious choice is to remove Watch Commander, but for the sake of this uh, thought experiment, <laughs> we'll say I get another option. What I would very much love to see would be you have um, Satori and uh, Daisetsu, who are the two, um, assuming I got those names correct, I'm pretty sure I did. They're the two children of the Emperor, uh, of, of uh, Jodan. Do you know Jodan is the name of our Emperor? Oh, I did not know Spoiler. that. Now I do. Well, there you awesome. go. So just for All clarity right. for everybody and our listeners, Daisetsu is scumbag child and Satori is golden child? Satori is the... Yeah, so so Daisetsu is the, the brat uh, oldest child and the emperor has... Uh, Jodan has told Taturi to go and issue an edict to say that unlike any other time in the history of Rokigan, uh, for his secession when he steps down as the emperor, which he wants to do ASAP, uh, Satori, who is his second child... Uh, second son will actually take over and Taturi has yet to deliver that edict he's been quite tardy with it um, but uh, that's that's the plan so I would love to see those two characters there there was a time in Legend of the Five Rings that I think that would be amazing if we could take some um, take some inspiration from not do it exactly the same way but uh, of course because you want it to be a new game and have new fun stuff in Gold Edition the idea of Gold Edition Taturi who is the greatest character that has ever existed in the entirety of the Legend of the Five Rings he toku, was, toku. <laughs> I Toku Toku to be fair but um, uh, Toku was under the tutelage of Taturi so hey oh, okay. but anyway Taturi was um, he was the emperor and he had ascended he was a spirit and he was ascending to the spirit realm and he left behind with him four children technically there was a fifth you can read into the lore if you want to but you know anyway there's four children and each of those was essentially called a win so throughout the entirety of gold edition which is a big story arc of old school legend of the five rings Every clan attached a wind to their stronghold, and a wind gave you represented. There was four winds, and they each represented one of the children, and they gave you certain 
mechanical abilities. They basically change the way that the Imperial favor works for you, depending on which child you supported for the throne. The whole arc was about which of those four children would ascend to become the Emperor, the new Emperor, right? Um, and the great thing was that each of those four wins, your deck, you could kind of choose whichever four wins you want and it would, it would change the theme of your deck and people would start lobbying and you would get behind, you know, a particular child. So if you could do something similar to that idea, I think where, um, you know, because votes were taken, so whenever you won a tournament, you had to say, hey, I supported, you know, Sadeo, I supported this wind, I supported that wind. So the idea that, you know, the primary sort of the catalyst for the plot for this year seems to be this, you know, these two children fighting for who's going to be the next emperor when when Jodan steps down. Um, I like the idea that there's going to be like a Rokugani civil war. Factions are going to be fighting against each other. Different clans are going to align with different um, children. And I like the idea that there's some internal squabbling amongst the clans of which child they should present, and that should be displayed in a numer- in a sort of a uh, mechanical fashion. That's my thoughts, anyway. So I love how, in true Simcop fashion, after I've just said I think the best thing of the game would be to simplify it a little bit, you go, nah, nah, mate. More <laughs> mechanics. mechanics. Let's mechanics. chuck in more shit. <laughs> Extra choices. More mechanics. Build them up. <laughs> chuck them all in there. Roll cards. Let's put some senseis in there too. I read it. What about some mini games? Like you put your jewel, but instead of a real jewel, you play a game of Magic the Gathering halfway through. The winner of that wins the jewel. Yeah, that's it. Well, anyway, I hope you enjoyed our episode tonight. Uh, We are a little bit uh, longer than usual, uh, but it was, you know, we did miss last week. Uh, We've got some pretty cool stuff coming up for next week. Uh, I'll just tease it a little bit. We're going to be, there are some interviews happening with some international guests, international men of mystery um, that you will get to meet uh, next week. So until then, uh, any, any last words? All. No, uh, restrict grasp all of earth. People. All, so. No, all restrict. people play grasp of earth. Play <laughs> cool. it before right. it gets restricted. Cool. Okay. Well, until until next time, everybody, keep on rolling. Okay, now press stop. That was really good. <laughs>